Hey guys, Leah Bika here. Today's guest is a who's who of digital analytics today, a huge inspiration to myself and many other practitioners. Stay tuned to find out who's starring on the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 15. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hey guys, welcome to the 15th episode of Present Beyond Measure. I'm really excited to bring you today's guest, but before I bring her on, I want to tell you about my newly revamped resources page. I've completely redesigned my massive toolbox of presentation, data visualization, and analytics resources that I've curated and collected over the last 10 years that I've been doing this, and I add new ones every day. I'd love to know what you think, how well it works for you. I'd love to know what kind of resources helped you in your journey. So please visit leahpeka.com slash resources to check it out and definitely drop me a note. All right, let's get to today's guest. Hey guys, my esteemed guest today has a 15-year career driving analytics strategies for major corporations. She's currently the Director of Digital Analytics at the Apollo Education Group, the parent company of University of Phoenix, where she oversees the digital analytics platform for the entire customer lifecycle. She was also a membership of the leadership team at Symphonic, a prominent analytics consultancy. And as a longstanding advocate of the analytics community, she's created expansive thought leadership in analytics, including a DAA board seat, commissioned articles, white papers, speaking engagements with the Digital Analytics Association, Accelerate, eMetrics, you name it. Plus, as a co-founder for the global industry meetup, Web Analytics Wednesdays, with over 10,000 participants. Please help me welcome June Dershowitz. Hello, Leah. <laughs> welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you. It's good to be here. So you and I met earlier this year at the Emetrics San Francisco Summit, and I have always heard such amazing things about you, but I love to hear a good origin story. Tell us a little bit about how you fell into the whole analytics shindig. Sure. You know, usually the start that I say is I moved to San Francisco in 1999 and I, I fell into a job as a web analyst. Mm -hmm. um, but really, if we're talking about love of data and data visualization, I feel like um, it, it even pretty predates that. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved math and numbers and data and also the visual aspects of that field. So even, you know, when I during my time as a math student, I, um, I focused on geometry because I thought it was a nice intersection of math and, and visualization. Mm hmm. Uh, and I've and I've I've been in the fortunate position to get to continue to use that now in in my career uh, working with data in the corporate world. And you know what I think is interesting is that I would think someone really exceptional at math and numbers sometimes presenting effectively doesn't always dovetail with that nicely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you mean math people have a hard time communicating? Yeah, that that might be a, uh, <laughs> more, no, it. It's 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 sometimes the case. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in your early career as an analyst, did you have to present your findings a lot? And if you did, what was challenging about that? You know, really uh, early on, it was it was pretty much ad hoc in nature. 
uh, I was I was definitely always in the position where I was talking about technically complex things and new things that were just being developed at the time with people who didn't understand them at all. And I think that gave me a really good grounding in being able to talk to people about complex things in simple terms. Yeah. And, you know, that seems to be kind of what you're really exceptional at. You don't present data so much now, but you present analytics to audiences that aren't well acquainted with it. Is that right? I do. I do. So what do you, what would you say, you know, if, if someone had to do that, what would you say is like the most effective way of approaching that kind of conversation? Know your audience really well and boil it down to the most basic message that you want to convey and then make sure that your material conveys that. Because I think the problem can be there's just so much complexity and so much detail. And um, often as analysts, we love to dive down into that detail and fully explore it and understand it. But as we try to reach a, a broader audience, and maybe they're not analysts, and that's the audience I especially love, they don't necessarily appreciate all that detail. So you got you to gotta cut to the point and say, this is what it's about, and then help them understand it. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. In in a recent webinar I did and a conference I did with Jim Stern in Australia just last week, something Jim talks about is please don't go in and talk to your stakeholders about how difficult it was extracting data <laughs> and the API is broken and, no. you know, all of these things. They, they really don't care. <laughs> right. And the thing that I hate uh, is that if, if there's a presentation that an analyst gives and at the end they're talking about next steps, because we all do, and they say, and the next step is collect more data. <laughs> no, of course you do that, but you don't talk about it. And, you know, what are um, what are some of the topics about analytics that you know, audiences might have the most trouble with? Like, is attribution one of them, maybe? That's something I'm very deeply involved uh, with right now. And it does present some real communication challenges because it's a very complex topic. And uh, when done well, it's very cross-functional and working with all aspects of the marketing organization as well as finance. And just being able to get through to people and appeal to them and help them change the way they think about getting credit for their marketing spend is, is a huge challenge and one that I found very interesting. So as part of your role, are you also presenting or helping people present business cases for technology funding or applications, things like that? Uh, I have done that at times. I mean, these days with attribution, it's mostly a case for making a change in the way that we think about assigning credit to marketing. But in the past, I've also been involved in large scale vendor selection projects where I have to make the case for a decision and a purchase, a large purchase, and to appeal to a pretty broad and also senior audience to say, this is worth doing and here's why. Mm -hmm. And do you use a lot of visuals as a backup, like, you know, PowerPoint slides or things like that to help support your ideas or is it more conversational? At one certain point, I remember I did have PowerPoint slides, but it was, there were three, three <laughs> slides and I was talking to the CTO and that was enough and, and, and that was right for that audience. So it really depends. Okay. So really know your audience and what's going to work well for them. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So you did a wonderful presentation at Web Analytics Accelerate a few years ago. I actually saw it on your LinkedIn profile. And my favorite part was the analogy you presented the idea of how data transforms into knowledge. So oh. <laughs> would you like to uh, il illustrate for us? The data cake. I love that one. <laughs> no, Me I'm too. A 
this is not my original idea. I found this somewhere on the internet, but I, I took it and made it my own and I, I love it. Um, so first of all, you have the raw ingredients, you have the eggs and the flour and the sugar, um, you get that together. The next thing you do is you get out your recipe and you mix it all together, combining the data into information, right? And mm -hmm. in this case, you're starting to bake your cake. And then you actually bake your cake and that winds up being the insight that you have. And then the last step, you serve your cake to your audience and they eat it. And that's the actionability. So that's, <laughs> to, you know, presenting the information to people and having them use it. I think it's so great um, using analogies like this to break down those ideas because sometimes it can be hard for people to envision and, and comprehend themselves. So I'm a big fan of analogies. So thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that one. Sure. So now I'd actually like to focus on you as a professional speaker in our industry. So as a presenter, where are you looking to grow the most? Um, I love taking on new topical challenges as a presenter because it's fun to kind of push the boundaries of what I feel I'm capable of and just to accept a challenge and to talk about a new topic. And I got to do that earlier this year when I presented at a predictive analytics conference. And I'd never spoken on predictive analytics before, but I had a couple of use cases and I did it. And I was so glad I did it, even though it was hard for me. That's great. And, you know, Confidence is a big part of that, I think, as well. And it's not something that necessarily comes naturally for such a numbers-focused audience. So do you have any, like a specific ritual or routine that helps or, or any sort of advice that you have for building that confidence before going in the conference room, on stage, any of those places? Well, one thing that I always try and make time to do as a presenter is leave myself enough time so I can rehearse it with a non-threatening audience <laughs> or audiences. And I, I've, I, lately I do that in two ways. One, I, pre I present it in front of my six-year-old daughter. Nice. She's like, this is boring. Speak English. <laughs> and I know I'm not, I'm not being clear enough. And then I also uh, rehearse it with my colleagues if I can get a little bit of their time. And I said, can, can you just listen to this and tell me, um, does it sound right? Are there places where I could be more clear in my delivery? And I always get really awesome feedback from, from my colleagues. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Rehearsing is probably the thing I stress the most as the way we can grow and feel confident. There's nothing worse than going out there thinking you're going to, you're just going to wing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. No. And that's the worst because you should never be in the position where the very first time you give a presentation uh, and one that's supposed to be polished is when you're up there on stage. Right. That's no good. Absolutely. Oh, that's great advice. So, you know, other than not rehearsing, what would you say are some of the biggest pet peeves you have about presentations you see being given in the industry? I think the biggest one is just people who have walls of text <laughs> in, in PowerPoint slides. It's just like, let me, let me go to sleep and wake up when it's over. <laughs> uh, it, you know, and I've been guilty of doing that too, especially earlier in my speaking career. But I, I think that it takes a lot of discipline to say, I'm only going to put a few words here, or I'm just going to put a picture here. I'm just going to put a chart here and then be able to tell your story in a clear way without having a teleprompter. Absolutely. I think it's the way we all learn when we, when we first come in, everyone is putting up walls of text. So, you know, no one's really given the tool set and the 
principles for designing a proper supporting presentation, not something that's acting like a script. Um, right. So I think that's fantastic as well. Were there any resources that helped you learn how to evolve your practice that way? Or was it just watching what other people were doing over time? It's watching what people do. Whenever I go to a conference, I, I listen to the material, I, I, you know, I listen to the presenter, I watch how they act, I take notes of the ones that are doing things that I think I ought to be doing. And I'm also through feedback soliciting from people, you know, how do you feel about this? Did you, did you get my point here? Was this clear? You know, and I think that combination of things, observing others and asking for feedback has been really helpful. Right. I mean, I would love, you know, the Web Analytics Wednesdays to be almost like an open mic (laughs) night for bouncing presentations off of uh, of your audience. Um, Yeah. I'll think about that. So, you know, with that, you've done a lot of mentoring and really been inspiring to the the early analysts. So what kinds of things can they do to learn how to present information more effectively in their organizations? Um, I'm going to turn your question around a little bit because I've found it to be a way to help people build um, public speaking careers, but it's more dependent on someone who who can already do it. So more recently, I've been offered public speaking gigs now and then. And if I see an opportunity to do so, I'll bring in a more junior colleague to co-present with me. Hmm. And I've done that twice in the past couple of years. And it was really fun. And and so I think it's a good way to kind of introduce people who don't think of themselves as being public speakers to be involved in that in a way where they're not they're not doing it alone for the first time. And I'd like to see more people do that. You know, that's it's something I'm considering. I have never co-presented. And I can just imagine a whole other additional set of challenges other than mastering your own content mm-hmm. and everything. But, but one of the really uh, great things about it is as you're rehearsing, you have built in feedback from the other person because they're listening to you and then you listen to them. And if you're able to rehearse enough, then you can really tune it. No, that makes perfect sense. I, I actually love that idea. So, you know, do you feel that learning to present well, both from a visualization perspective and also just from delivery and telling the story, do you think this is a really valuable skill for analysts or something that, you know, it's kind of up for grabs depending on the type of career you want to have? No, I I mean, I think it's essential. I don't think that every analyst has to uh, want to go out and speak in, in public, but they need to be able to share what they're doing and communicate it with others in their organization. You know, you can't just sit there as an analyst and have deep thoughts and not share them with anyone because that's not valuable. And so, and then, then that can be little things like writing a clear email with a purpose in it and a call to action, or it can be um, making choices about the chart that you're using and saying, do I really need that drop shadow? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Should that be a pie chart? No. <laughs> Never. (laughs) No. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it's partially observing what happens when you do things a certain way, but also really getting that education and foundation. And I think you're so right. It's it stems so far outside of just the live presentation. There are webinar presentations that you're doing where you're presenting. Um, Some people I've talked to have presented on paper because they didn't even have a computer projector. (laughs) I actually, I love whiteboard and that's a completely different medium with a different set of rules, but it's still, it's still communication and, and often communication about deeply technical data things. Yeah, that's something I think whiteboard is a whole other skill that I'm probably going to be investing in at some point. (laughs) The whole back of the napkin skill. Yeah. 
But even email as well, you know, I with people getting busier and busier and everyone's getting remote, I think sometimes email is your best chance at getting some information sold through. But if you're burying it in this mm-hmm. dissertation on <laughs> the, the history of the world with your a key learning buried somewhere at the bottom, I think you're missing an opportunity there. It's definitely. Yeah. So you had, you had mentioned for an email, can you say again, kind of what you think are like the best parts of communicating in an email? I think that was helpful. Getting to the point, (laughs) (laughs) but no, um, you know, and, and, and you should say, I firmly believe in bottom line up front, you know, especially if it's going to be something that's going to be a few chunks of text long and then always having some kind of call to action at the end. What I just read this, what do you want me to do? Right. You know, and if it doesn't have that, it's going to get ignored. Yeah. Or an FYI, I'm not asking you to do anything. I think you'd find this valuable, Mm -hmm. but don't leave it up to them to decide whether they should do anything about it or not. Yeah. And I think that goes to the, just the general philosophy that whenever you're trying to communicate with someone, whether it's in written or verbal or whatever, that you have to put yourself in their shoes. Absolutely. And say, what do they need to get out of this? Absolutely. I, I think we all have to do more of putting ourselves in other people's perspectives Mm -hmm. and asking, what would I want if I were in that position? And Mm -hmm. I think the more that we do that, all of us are going to be happier and (laughs) get along a lot better. So, you know, you are a huge inspiration to everyone in the field, but I would think especially women. And this is a topic I talked about at length with Krista Seiden on episode nine. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, as still, I would say is it's a male dominated industry. Do you have any advice for women practitioners who are just getting started or, or for standing out in this field? The gender thing is always something I've had to deal with, I think, because of my background in math. Mm. You know, I was all, I was used to being the only woman around and I've grown used to that. I wish it wasn't quite so imbalanced, but I think I would start just by saying, don't think that you're any different from anybody else and make sure you get a seat at the table. Right. And continue on that way. Don't exclude yourself from something because you don't feel that it it's not your thing, you know? Right. And I think um, sometimes women are more likely to do that, to say, no, like, I won't do this, mm-hmm. you know, but don't be timid. Do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I call the next segment the upgrade, which is a power tip for Excel, PowerPoint, Tableau, or any visualization stuff that we use. Mm-hmm. So, um, or just a general tip that you have for presenting better. So do you have anything fun to share? I do. So this tip is um, something that you can use at the concept stage of a presentation. And it could either be uh, standing on a stage presentation or it, could, or it could be a data visualization. I think it works either way. And that tip is walk away from the screen. <laughs> just, just walk away from the screen and think about what it is that you're trying to convey. And maybe whiteboard it or storyboard it. But I think stepping away from the screen and getting clarity on your message helps you become far more focused when you do walk back to the screen. And because I know that when I, I've been completely guilty of this, that I'll, I'll say I have to give this presentation and the first thing I'll do is I'll crack open PowerPoint <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I'll start futzing around with the fonts. Yep. Ooh, which font do I want to? And then it's half an hour later. And then, oh, I think I think I want um, a picture of a dartboard. And then I'll go into Google <laughs> image search. And then it's like an hour later. 
you know? And you have two slides done with no story. (laughs) And I found that it it can turn out so much better if I just step back from that and outline it first and think about what I need and then come back and build it. Absolutely. This is actually something I'm going to be probably doing a video series on, uh, the whole process where you don't start a presentation when you open PowerPoint. You're starting when you're brainstorming on post-its or a mind mapping or, or a whiteboard, whatever best gets those ideas out well before you start fussing with the fonts. Um, and again, it's just about learning an actual process and a, a framework that works for that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is excellent. That's a great tip. So this is my last question. Think hard here. Imagine this scenario. You're camping in Tahoe National Forest when you suddenly trip and fall into a rip in time and you're brought back to the precise moment you're about to give your first big presentation. What would the you of today say to the you of then? Oh, that one is so easy. (laughs) And the answer is don't eat the chowder. (laughs) So I have a little story behind this. Please share. I, um... (laughs) I had my very first public speaking experience um, back in 2007, and I was I was very nervous and shy and had stage fright like everybody else. Um, I was I was asked by a vendor to speak at their customer conference. They were a first generation A/B testing vendor that doesn't exist anymore, but they wanted me to moderate a panel discussion on getting uh, marketing and IT to work together. And I love that topic and I had great panelists and it was all going to go well. But I was downtown San Francisco and I was waiting for um, my time to come up. And it was um, it was the spot right after lunch, which is no good anyway. But I went out <laughs> to go get lunch and I went to a cafe and oh my God, they had clam chowder and I love clam chowder. Mm, me too. So I ate a big bowl of clam chowder right before I went on stage. <laughs> I was fine, uh, but I was just very queasy. Oh, oh no. And, and, and I mean, all that could have been avoided if I'd had something uh, a little less heavy for lunch, especially <laughs> when I was so nervous. But I say, you know what, just just calm down. <laughs> you know, everything's going to be fine. And every, everything was fine. And I'm really glad that I did that. And I got over it and, um, and, and learned how not to psych myself out for being on stage in the future. So in the end, keep calm and chicken salad. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That's a great, great story. And man, I I have so many of my own, but it's true. You really do need to watch (laughs) making sure you don't uh, any food coma inducing food or anything like that. No. Something safe. Well, thanks so much for sharing that today. And unfortunately, we've run out of time, but can you tell the listeners how they can keep up with you and anything fun you have to look out for? Sure. I'm, I, I love um, chatting with other industry practitioners, so I, I welcome your contact um, through LinkedIn or, or Twitter. You can find me there. Well, great. Thank you so much. And all of her contact information is going to be on the show notes page for this episode, which will be leahpeka.com slash 015. Well, June, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was great. And I wish you all the best. Thanks, Leah. It was a pleasure. Wow, what an amazing treat to speak with someone that I've admired for so long and someone who's played such a pivotal role in the analytics community, really. I love my job. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Present Beyond Measure show. 
If you've liked what you've heard, hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are so, so appreciated because they affect the rankings of the show and help others like you find this content. And I'll be reading out my favorite reviews on future episodes. To catch all of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit leahpika.com slash 015. You can review the show notes, download a copy, see all the great takeaways. I would love if you could leave me a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information and trying to make an impact. You can tweet me a question for the show by including my Twitter handle, which is at leahpika with the hashtag PBM as in present beyond measure. And you can also get a little more up close and personal with me on the Measure Slack channel. Slack is a place where many analysts and marketers gather to discuss all things dorky analytics. And you're also going to find many of the biggest names in the industry there, many of whom have been guests on my show. So you can do that by signing up to get access at bit.ly slash slack. Each of those are capitals. And that link will also be on the show notes page. And today's presentation inspiration is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and that is, speech is power. Speech is to persuade, to convert, to compel. Don't be afraid to use your power of speech to create influence within your organization. And always remember to connect with your message. Enjoy that hunk of data cake. Namaste. I wasn't going to stop, um, so. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I, I remembered my attribution analogy. <laughs> oh, no. <Nash>. <laughs> I completely, I'm going to try that again. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, actually, no, I mean, it's, it's not quite appropriate. It, it, it's oh. actually, it has more to do with...